Hey everybody, you're listening to So This One Time with your host, Steph Wilson. Welcome to episode one of So This One Time. I'm Steph Wilson. And before we get started, let me just preface this entire podcast with a little bit of a warning. I live in New York City in a studio apartment on the Upper West Side. I have a street-facing window and I live next to the front door. So at any given time, be prepared for sirens, fistfights, screaming in the hallway, garbage trucks, you name it. Let's just make all of those sounds part of the ambiance, shall we? All right, now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about this first story. Because before I get into it, I want to just say that I'm going big. We're going with one of the biggest stories I have in my life thus far. And I'm going to go there first because it's the backbone of a lot of smaller or side stories that relate to this trip that I went on. So I want you to know a lot of of the backstory behind those stories, which means I need to tell you this one first. And I'm gonna start with the ending of the story, if you will, by saying I wound up selling most of my belongings and going on a trip around the world in 2015. It definitely changed my life for the better and in a lot of ways too for the worse, which again, we'll we'll definitely get into a lot of that. So first though, let me back up and talk about how I got to that point. I'm turning 39 in May and Back when I was in my early 20s and starting my career, I was very enslaved, if you will, to the idea of what society expected of me. And maybe that's from growing up in a single family household where means were very limited and I always had this need to to survive. I, I always lived in survival mode and so wanting to be an artist and wanting to do something creative with my life wasn't even an option for me in my mind. I needed to be successful in the eyes of everybody else and on paper for me to feel like I'm a valued member of society. And I was too young to understand how my mindset wasn't healthy for me. So I went to undergrad. I got a full ride at Syracuse. I Although I transferred, I wound up getting a a finance degree. I turned that into a master's degree later on. And I started working in the banking industry and then wound up working for a major home builder, um, first doing production management from on their lending side and then getting into sales. I had an awesome car that I drove around. I had a lot of money in the bank. I was on track to retire in my late 40s. I 
built a custom home from scratch in the historic district of downtown Orlando. I had more shoes, more clothes than you could ever want. And from anybody's view of me from the outside, they probably thought to themselves, wow, look at that girl go. Look at how successful she is. But what they didn't know was that on the inside, there was a part of me that was dying. Another part of me couldn't breathe. And another part of me kept numbing myself with either nights out, drinking way too much wine with friends, retail therapy, you name it. I was miserable, but I never really understood why. It's it's one of those things where once you train yourself to have this like belief system in your mind of this is what I work towards, this is what should make me happy, it is so hard to undo that belief system enough to be able to see the forest through the trees. And I had a lot of friends and people in my life that would call me tense or nervous. Um, I had a lot of critical friends. I found comfort in, in having them in my life because it made it easier for me to dim my light. And I think that was what the whole issue was, was that success doesn't mean you're shining your light and walking in your purpose and showing the world your soul. Success has nothing to do with that. And I wasn't doing the latter. I was too fixated on the former. It's funny because I started taking acting classes um, in the late... 2009 perhaps I always loved performing Uh, I did it my whole life but I thought that it would just make me more well-rounded in my career but I think my subconscious always knew that I was a performer and that I wanted to story tell and it wasn't until I started taking those classes and doing the acting exercises for those of you who have never taken an acting class so much of it is exercises and games and and things that you do to understand how to process feelings, the human connection, what is the motive intention behind everything we do as humans because it helps us better understand the characters that we're looking to embody from an emotional standpoint. And I had the most amazing teacher, um, God rest her soul. Her name was Yvonne Suhor and it's interesting to look back and see how she really took me under her wing in more ways than one, not just from wanting to, the aspect of wanting to make me an artist, but rather her mission became to break me, to break me down and to break me open. And as the started to happen, um, and trust me, it was painful. I, I, I don't know why I kept going back to acting classes, to be honest with you, because I would cry there and be in a comatose state of shock on the way home because of how I had to start accessing feelings that I've suppressed my entire life. And what started happening without me even realizing it was I would get up and go to work and not be able to do the work anymore. As if I was starting to learn a side of myself that I suppressed for so many years that going to this job and being around those people and and walking on a path that was not 
true to my my soul, I, I would literally drive there having a pep talk. I'm going to do work today. I'm going to do work today. And then I would get there and I physically wouldn't be able to do it anymore. And I was really hard on myself about that. I, I called myself lazy. I called myself a bad employee. And the funny, ironic part about it was I was selling homes like mad. People were coming in and purchasing them. So I was being very successful with very limited effort, but really was just zombified. And I had a brand new manager come in who was a woman. And we're going to save this for another story about how women are their each other's worst enemies in the workforce, more so than men are. And there just was a clash. And she was new to the role and she wanted to be successful. And you know, half of it was probably my doing and the other half was, well, let's just say her doing. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I wound up getting fired. And that was a really hard day um, because I loved that company and it wasn't that I was trying to not care anymore. I just physically could not care. And this was September of 2013. However, three weeks prior to that, I came home from work to find my house burglarized. The worst part was that my dog, Charlie, was barking at me, trying to tell me what was going on the minute I walked into the door. And once the police came, they told me that Charlie, we believe he hid under my my king-size bed very quietly because that's where he would keep going for weeks after that to hide, which was not true to his normal behavior. But that if he didn't hide, they probably would have taken him and sold him. And that was really hard for me to process because that morning I forgot to set the alarm on my house. And maybe that was all meant to be, but it was a Wednesday at 11 a.m., And they came and they took pretty much everything, um, pictures, sentimental things, a lot of my, most all my electronics. I mean, they didn't take the furniture, but it was a horrible feeling to feel so violated. I mean, they even went through my underwear drawer looking for where I hide my jewelry. And I'm, I'm blessed that the sentimental things that my grandmother gave me, I was smart to hide in a very weird place and they never found, but... I lost a lot of things that day and most of all, I lost my sense of security in the place that I lived because I was so proud of that house. It took me nine months to fight the city of Orlando to get that home built. The reason why is because the lot that the, the I found the land downtown was a triangular lot and it just was really hard with the setbacks to get a home to fit on it. But I made it work and it was such an accomplishment. And I, I think I always was fighting with this desire to leave Orlando, but I could never leave that home. I was so proud of it. And how could I fight for all that time to live in a home for two years and then look to get rid of it? It was... It was heartbreaking to no longer feel safe there and to not be able to sleep at night. And post-traumatic stress, I I never realized how real it is because I remember I had a keypad on the back of my door because a lot of my acting friends would come into town for an audition and I always wanted them to have access to my home. 
and they came in and left some nice things on my island in the kitchen, you know, um, salt bath, you know, some treats and things to get me to relax. And I remember I came home and saw it and I couldn't process that it was a gift. I mean, I thought somebody was in my house again and I had a panic attack. And I think that's when I realized I might have needed a little bit of help. So over the course of these three weeks, I was just even more zombified than than ever before. And then to lose your job was as if the universe just took this sledgehammer to my life and went BAM and just broke me to pieces. And that's how I felt. I felt broken. I felt lost. I felt horrible and and even down to my identity because whoever these these people were broke into my safe they emptied my bank account and took my passport and used my passport and committed crimes with it so there was a lot of just feeling violated that you know somebody was walking around acting like me they had my belongings and and now I don't even have a job and so I I decided I needed to go see a professional and to be honest with you I'm not really a pill pusher I'm I take ibuprofen but I'm I'm not the biggest fan of medicine but I I just was like somebody give me a pill <laughs> I just I need a pill to like fix whatever's going on in my mind right now because this is just too much So I found this woman and I went to see her I remember walking in that that first time I would just I was just more on a mission to get whatever prescription I needed I walked in hi yep lost my job house got burglarized I'm guilty over I feel guilt that I didn't set my alarm and they would have taken my dog I'm a horrible dog mom so whatever you got prescribe it to me and get me on my way so I can try to fix my life well she wasn't buying that and I don't blame her But she sat me down and she just asked me to start telling her about my life and just asking so many questions. And I was reluctant, but I started filling her in. And, you know, she looked at me and she's like, you know, Steph, it seems like everything you've ever done in your life is calculated. As if you always knew how it would work out or you knew the odds. But that's really not... A risk and I don't think you've really stretched yourself in a way that I think your soul's calling you to do so I want you to go home and think about something that you want to try or learn or do that is a little risky where you don't know how it will work out for you but why don't you come back next week with that and let's talk about it I was like okay fine so I'm a very extroverted person when it comes to talking and being out on people but I'm introverted in how I process things and so I didn't really understand at the time what she was getting at but I went home and a few baths later I I understood her point and the craziest thing happened I flashed back to a day at work about five months prior where I was talking to my sales partner there were two of us that would work in the sales center of this new home community her name was Debbie And she just looked at me and said, you know, Steph, I can see you going on a trip around the world and writing a book about it. 
And in this flash of a memory, it just kind of became this light bulb. And so since then, I brought a new computer for myself. I get right on my laptop and I start doing research. There has to be ships that go around the world in one trip. I want to go on it. And lo and behold, they absolutely exist. So I start looking at the courses and researching all the different companies that offer this. And I went back the next week and I practically ran into her office with a whole new sense of of purpose. And I told her that I'm going to sell my house. And side note, I, I had to because I was trying to pay my house off. So my finances, a lot of the money that I, I had was tied into the equity I had in that residence, um, but that I was going to sell my house and I'm going to go on this trip around the world and I'm going to write about it and I'm going to blog about it. It's going to be like my only prayed love and that that's it. And then from there, I'm going to keep going on my way. And in my mind, I, I just had this grandiose idea of what the outcome was going to be which was, I think, part of what she was trying to say with me in my life about how I always needed to know how it was going to turn out. And I assure you, and we'll talk about it in further episodes, but that is not what wound up happening after I I wound up going. But this lady looked at me and was like, well, you kind of overshot the mark of what I was trying to tell you. All right, so you're okay. And she really didn't know what to say because I followed her recommendation. I just think she thought that I was going to come back and go, you know, I want to move to Colorado or something a little bit less extreme. But nonetheless, I thanked her for her time, told her I was healed and went on my way. I sat down and I looked at all my finances and everything and realized that all the trips around the world, they were about four or five months long and they left in January because they would go into the Southern Hemisphere first and they go left, westward. Um, so January was the nice warmer time for for you to leave on those trips. No problem, but I thought it was a little soon. By this time, it was October to pull this off for, for January. So I decided to make it January of the following year. I took my real estate license, and I did some consulting throughout that year, but really spent the year researching every place that these ships go to and what can be done there. And I was just so absolutely excited. But at the same time, I, I had to sell my house in order in order to do this. Uh, I made a deal with American Express that if they would pay for the cruise up front, meaning put it on the card, Uh, The deposit, that is, that by time I sold my house, I can work everything out with them. Okay, great. So in April of 2014, I list my home for sale. And for some crazy reason, it's not selling. And months would go by and nothing happened. Finally, in August, I get this nice couple that came in and decided to buy the house. I was so stoked. But they needed a um, 90-day home-to-sell contingency because they hadn't sold their home. So I gave it to them thinking, all right, this is going to cut a little close, but they're the only buyer that's come along wanting to buy my house. No problem. All the while, I'm dealing with friends, family members, 
people telling me that I was crazy. I'm giving up everything I've accomplished. I'm going to go spend all my money. I mean, let me just tell you, these aren't cheap, these trips. And I was going on Holland America and they made me buy two tickets. So because I was in a cabin by myself. So believe me, you know, this was a, a big adventure that I, I was just, just convinced um, and destined to go on in my mind. But there were a lot of moving pieces and it was crazy, you know, at the time. But looking back, I was just, I was unwavering in my belief system that I needed to go and do this. And it was this faith that I had to sell a house or else I wasn't going on this trip, but I was going to go as if there was never a moment in my mind that I doubted that I was going on this trip. So here we are, 90 days out, and their home hadn't sold. And here I am having to sell my house, and I haven't. Everybody's like, hey, you're giving up your MBA. Hey, go find a job. Hey, stop this. But in my gut, I I really just had to do it. And Thanksgiving was rolling around. And I mean, we were leaving January 5th. There was really no time with the holidays to sell my home. But I, I just kept going. So I started selling all my furniture, took some of the stuff I wanted to save. I literally stored it in my friends, um, she had a spare bedroom. I stored everything in there. My lease to my car was coincidentally up uh, at the end of the year. I turned in my car. Christmas rolls around. I'm over at my parents in St. Petersburg. They're kind of, you know, nervous, not sure what to say to me because every time they tried to tell me I was crazy, I kind of didn't want to hear it. And January 4th, I decided to have a, I think it was, no, it was the third, a going away party. I called this bar that we would always go to after acting class and practically rented it out, hired a DJ, um, coordinated drink specials. And I just bought myself a party dress and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to rent a car and drive down to that ship. I'm going to get on that ship no matter what. And American Express was being flexible and working with me and they were paying for the trip. But if I didn't at least get a sales contract on my house, I wouldn't have been able to pay off American Express. So this was vital at this point. And I just, I prayed to every God that you can imagine, but I, I didn't think for one second it wasn't going to happen. And here I am, January 3rd, it was a Saturday night. I was at my party and people were like, okay, you know, she hasn't sold her home yet, but hug, Stephanie, we're so proud of you. Congrats. But then they were also like, what is she doing? She hasn't sold her home. And one of my best friends, David, um, he put me up in the double tree that night as a way to, to say, you know, I'm proud of you and here's a going away present. So I was staying in a hotel. I had a rental car. I'm partying my face off with three suitcases ready to go down to a ship when I needed to sell my house in order to pay off the American Express bill for this trip, right? So the next morning I wake up, I'm a little hungover, let's be honest. So, you know, we go down and and have a Bloody Mary before I make my way down to Fort Lauderdale to, you know, take the headache away a little bit and hang out for a couple hours. Don't worry, I wasn't drinking and driving. 
um, with the people that I love most in my life. It was a small group of my, my absolute closest friends. And I get a phone call. And I and now, mind you, I'm literally after this getting into a car and driving three hours to Fort Lauderdale to board a ship that I really can't pay for. And I didn't really want to have American Express hunting me down while I'm trying to enjoy this trip. I mean, that's not the ideal way to travel the world. But I get a phone call from a realtor. It was 10 a.m. And she said, hey, Steph, this is so-and-so. We came with clients and looked at your home a couple months ago, and we'd like to make an offer today. And I just started crying. And I, I tear up now actually telling the story because I don't think... People realized how much faith I really had to have that I was meant to go on this trip and that I had to sell everything I owned to do it and to to stay. Like everybody else, I feel like 98% of the people that would have been the main character of this story would have backed away and they wouldn't have done it. But I know I was meant to go on this trip and so I kept the faith as hard as it was and horse blinders on to all the naysayers. And here it is 10 a.m. and I'm supposed to drive to this ship and I needed to sell my house and I got an offer on it. I drove down, checked into the hotel because we were arriving that Sunday night. The ship left on Monday and we were going to a welcome dinner. And I get to that hotel and I open my laptop and I click and electronically sign a contract for my house to sell and have a realtor, realtor friend of mine manage the sale while I'm gone for me. And I went to bed that night and I was like, I know I need to go on this trip and I don't know why. Maybe I just, I need to encapsulate myself on a ship with my tears, with the ocean and with the sweat of the sun and heal myself from this journey that I was on that I needed to get off of. And here I am laying in a bed, getting ready to go. And I sold my house the day that I left to go on this trip. And I I couldn't, you can't make it up. And the next day I, I get up and I, I get on the bus and they're taking me to this ship. And it wasn't a big ship, you know, mind you, this isn't a 3,000 person cruise ship. These are very intimate style ships that go around the world. And it's a smaller group and they, most of them stay on for the entire hundred and something days you're on the ship. And I get on board and I put my stuff in my room and I head up to the, to the dock or the, the deck, I mean, at the top, and I will never forget as long as I live the feeling when that ship pulled away from the harbor and started going. And I, I just almost held my own hand for two reasons. Because one, I couldn't have been more proud that I persevered knowing that my heart and my soul needed to do this. And I had no idea why I needed to do it, but I just knew I had to. And then at the same time was holding my hand because something told me that this was going to be the start of a journey that I couldn't have even imagined. And let me tell you, it definitely was and still is. So friends, that is... My first story for you about me selling everything I own and going on a hundred and something day trip around the world 
by myself on a ship. And there's going to be many, many, many stories of this journey and even the aftermath of the journey. And I use the word aftermath very carefully because it really is the right word to describe what happened after I got home. But anyway, thank you for tuning in to my first ever episode of So This One Time. I hope you all have an amazing week and we'll see you next time.